Welcome to the Meet Me at the Mountain podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Rogers, and this is season two, where we are looking at some mountains of emotions. These are emotions that we face each day in our lives. And on today's episode, we have a guest to discuss the topic of hope. With me today in the studio is Brother Phil Sanders. Brother Phil is conducting a gospel meeting here at the Eastside Congregation in Maryville, Tennessee this week, and so I asked him to join me in this, and he's graciously graciously accepted to do so. And uh, it has been a wonderful week, a very encouraging week, and just so very thankful uh, to have him uh, with us. He has encouraged me greatly this week, and so I thought this is this will be a perfect time uh, to have him on and to maybe discuss. In fact, one of the topics that he began the gospel meeting with was on hope, uh, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And we remember uh, Colossians 1 and verse 27, the Apostle Paul mentions that just that very fact, Jesus is our hope. And so, Brother Phil, I, I want to start this with a question, really. Uh, how has your experience been in preaching? Now, maybe not just this meeting, but probably every meeting that you do, but but in, in starting out this meeting, you have a you have a plan where you want to go. Obviously, those things are planned out. But but how does a meeting really affect you as the speaker coming in? Well, I've preached to Phil an awful lot. <laughs> you know, the thing that uh, the thing that helps people to have reassurance, and the thing that helps people to see how much God has loved them. Uh, each time I preach about the love of God, it reminds me that He loves me too. Each time that I talk about the grace and mercy of God, it reminds me that, you know, God was gracious to me too. So all, all of these things that I look at in my own thinking have an awful lot to do with God's care for me, and it reminds me, uh, like I say, I preach to Phil, and I do 20-plus meetings every year and have for the last several years. And um, I have no idea how many meetings. You know, some people count those things. I'll let God count them. I don't know. <laughs> but the one thing that the experience of preaching with the idea of, of talking about souls and salvation, sin and forgiveness, all of those things resonate with me personally. And if it resonates with me, I hope it will resonate with the people who listen to me as well. And that's something that I think uh, it should resonate really with every gospel preacher. You know, we, we want to, we have to deal with the problem of sin, and the problem of sin has already been dealt with, but we need to, we need to expose the problem and, and show the solution that Jesus has given. And, and so, and that kind of really leads us into uh, where, where you began your lesson Sunday morning in our Bible class hour, you began with Ephesians chapter 2. Right. And so I, I'd like to, to get you to kind of pick up there in Ephesians chapter 2 and, uh, and start with us and, and kind of lead us down this, this thought process to understand where that hope lies. Okay, I think that's, that's so needed. Uh, I began by saying the very first line, I guess, that really came out was, there is a big difference between people who are in Christ and people who are not in Christ. And I think that's something that needs to be really stressed. You know, there are a lot of people who, who don't really know where they are, where they stand, and they need to know that the difference between being in Christ and not being in Christ is huge and uh, different. Uh, when we started with Ephesians 2, um, I, I wanted to make the point of the very first verse. He says, And you were dead in your transgressions 
and sins. Now, it doesn't say you were sick. doesn't say you were mistaken. doesn't say you, you had an addiction or, or a sickness or some other such thing. He says, and you were dead. Now, that's spiritually dead in transgressions and sins in which you formerly walked. That's the way you lived according to the course of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that's now working in the sons of disobedience. And he says, among whom we all, and now that's an important point because that means every individual to whom I am speaking and me as a speaker, that's me too. We all formerly conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, doing the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, that is, children destined for the wrath of God, even as the rest, that is, people who didn't become Christians. Um, He's writing, of course, to Christians at Ephesus, but we were at that time by nature children of wrath. And that's that's a sobering thought. It is. A sobering that I could lose my soul and, and be lost eternally. And, of course, then the next verse has that marvelous word, but. You know, if we had ended at verse 3, what a sad statement that would be. For sure. But, but comes in there. God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he's loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions and sins, all that, he made us alive together with Christ. Now, just like he rose, uh, caused Jesus to rise from the dead, he can cause us to come back to life, spiritually speaking. And yes, we were raised with Jesus. And then he says, by grace you have been saved. Now, it's interesting that this idea of that power was not just found in this second chapter, but actually when you go back to chapter 1, verse 18, uh, there Paul is praying and, and praying that uh, their eyes, the eyes of your heart, uh, would be enlightened and that you would know the hope. There's that word hope, first time used, of his calling, that is through the gospel. And what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of the might of his strength? And now he talks again about the resurrection, which he worked in Christ by raising him from the dead and seating him at his right hand in the heavenly places. It is amazing how many people don't think, oh, I'm so sinful that God could never save me, that God could never reach me, that God could never love me or want me. But the whole point of this passage is, look, you need to open your eyes and realize that no matter who you are, no matter what your past has been, God can raise you up with Jesus. And if he had the power to raise Jesus from the dead, he's got the power to raise you from being dead spiritually too. And he's done this by his love and by grace. Now, this point of knowing the hope of your calling is is stressed again in chapter 2 whenever he goes back to these Gentiles who had been converted and he talks about where they used to be. Remember that you were at that time, that is when you were a Gentile before you became a Christian, without Christ. You were alienated from the citizenship uh, of Israel, the commonwealth of Israel. You were strangers to the covenants of promise. And then he said, having no hope 
these people would not be saved at the end. They didn't know God. They were alienated from Christ and from the people of God. They had no hope, and they were without God in the world. That is an incredibly sad position. It is. To have no hope. And I, I think about uh, what would I do if all of a sudden I had lived such a life that I didn't have any hope. But I didn't have any hope in God. I didn't have any hope in the truth. But I didn't have any hope in, in what was right or, or that, that I could go and be with God forever. And what did I have to look forward to? I was one of those children of wrath. And I was destined for an eternity in torment. The difference between those two things are astounding. It, it is. And one of the things that, that struck a chord with me when you were, when you were talking about that, uh, especially in the class, but uh, bringing it back to mind now, thinking about what that looks like in a person's life. When, when a person you know, gets to uh, such a low point, they, they get to a point and they just feel like there's, there's no answer for them, there's no way out for them. You know, someone has hit that, have hit that mark and got to that point in their life. And the, the sad thing is, as Paul writes to these individuals, maybe they didn't even know they were there. That, that's a real key, you know, that word ungodly suggests yeah. a, a situation where they didn't know God and God right. was not a part of their heart. Yeah, and just, just without God. And, yeah, the and, ignorance and so, that's in them. He yeah. talks about that in Ephesians 4, 17 right. and following. And, and so that, that sets up for me, you know, there, there are some folks who will get to that point and, and feel hopelessness. And, and you used the term lifelessness almost, mm -hmm. you know, because yeah. where is it going? Yeah. You know, if you if you have no hope, you know, I mean, that's we we deal with, you know, a high suicide rate in this country, especially. And we saw that spike even more so in recent, you know, in recent times thinking about the pandemic. Yeah. And and so, you know, trying to to get people to realize and, you know, not to not to take what we're studying here necessarily out of context, but the application looking at. From, from two sides, folks that realize that they or feel that they've gotten to that point but do not know God, not, and so they, they are there. They are without – that's the reality is that they are without hope, but they, they begin to realize that. Then you have Paul writing to a group of people saying, you were maybe unaware, but you were still right. without hope. Right. Until this happened, mm -hmm. the but that you mentioned there in verse four, you know, but God who is rich in mercy and, and you know, where with his great love, where with he, he's loved us, you know. Um, so so that to me is such a, you know, such a uh, two, two ends of the spectrum that, really you, that you're looking at. You know, you, you have someone that, that's just so far to this position. But I, I think sometimes we we get to feeling in our own lives we can get down we can get anxious we can be anxious about things and we can feel like there's no way out we can find ourselves maybe in a sinful situation and see and we can't see the way out but yet but god and and so that's why we preach that's that's why that's why the message is so prevalent that's you know first corinthians 118 that's why we preach that message of hope and uh but anyway i not to just jump yeah. in and interrupt but the the four uh, the four adjectives that I like to 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 look at in Romans five six to eight that talk about mm -hmm. us 
The first one is the weakness. And some, some translations uh, take that word and, and translate it helpless. Mm-hmm. A hopeless person always feels helpless. Yeah. Those two things are always together. And, and I, I think it's just such a, such a powerful thing from many standpoints that not only were they helpless, but they didn't know a way out because they were ungodly. An ungodly person is not a... Well, wickedness is the result of ungodliness, but an ungodly person is a person who never gave God a second thought. And that's why he's wicked, yeah. because God does not, is not important. And those two things lead one to become a sinner mm-hmm. who's offended God and even an enemy of God, verse 10. Right. And so those four things were where these people were as well. Now, in verse 12, when we talked about having no hope and without God in the world, boy, that's a tough situation. And again, verse 13, the most beautiful sentences always seem to come after uh, the word but. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off, man, you had nothing, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. And, of course, he talks about how he's joined the Jews and the Gentiles. But not just that. It gives us that peace of mind that we can be right with God, that we were never always going to be an alien, always going to be on the outside. We have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And so whenever we get a little farther down and see after they become Christians and they've come into Christ, so then you're no longer strangers. You're not somebody who's a sojourner out here traveling around and, and you're always among people that you don't know very well. But you are fellow citizens with the saints, and you're of God's household, God's son, God's daughter. And so there is a profound difference between being an outsider and being family. Being family, a citizen who has all the rights and all the privileges of somebody that's in the household of God and a saint. And I think that is one of the great things that people need to know is that difference between being outside and being with Christ on the inside. That's a great point. Uh, I I believe that I remember correctly that you also covered, or maybe you ended even with 1 John 3, uh, because it it, kind of leads in that conversation toward... um, hope that is in him uh, in verse verse 3 there, uh, but verses 1 through 3, and then I'll get you to, to comment on that uh, as, as we kind of bring this, this thought, taking some, you know, either taking us or someone from hopelessness or helplessness, like you mentioned, um, and, and being a, a sinner and alienated from Christ, alienated from God, essentially, um, he says, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. So it, it comes back to that same idea of love, that gr- but, but God who is great in his love. He's great in his mercy. Mm-hmm. Uh, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. And, and now in that relationship, there's, 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 a, there's a unity, there is a, an assurance, there is a, a blessedness. There is righteousness in that relationship, and so being called the children of God. And therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it's not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, 
we shall see him as he is. Of course, this is looking future-wise. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. And so it's kind of like the it's it's it's, uh, it's kind of like the the calling card so, so to speak here's the here's the here's what you're moving toward you know you're you're going from hopelessness and helplessness because but God who is great in his love right and and so what has God what does he have in store for us he has in store for us a purified life. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, that's what he wants from us. So I'll let you have yeah, some final comments I, on that. I, I like what you're saying there, and, and I love this passage. It shows that the change is not just an outward change mm-hmm. of a person who has been freed from sin. But one of the things that I, I tried to emphasize the whole week is the need for repentance. Mm-hmm. You know, the first word Jesus ever preached was repent. Yeah. And this idea of purifying really is talking about, okay, this is an ongoing thing through my life that as I find out what sin is or maybe I've committed a sin, I I say, oh, I can't do this anymore. I can't keep on doing this. And so I purify myself, getting myself ready. Uh, There is the grace of God that forgives the sin, but there is also with that grace the responsibility for me no longer to keep on sinning you know, uh, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, Romans 6, verse 2. And I think that this same idea comes out from us of, of the need to purify our lives uh, because of that love, because he loved us enough to save us, and because we love him, we're going to live a life that glorifies him. Yeah, and that's a great point. You mentioned the grace there. The grace we have a responsibility to that right. grace, and and that's what Paul would write to Titus as well. Absolutely, the grace instructs us. That's right. It, it's teaching us how to live, and so that there is an ongoing purifying in our lives, and, right. and, and an ongoing faithfulness toward Him, growing ever toward Him. And and I think that. Um, you know, one of our, our themes for this particular month at Eastside has been growing more in love. And, and we've tried to encapsulate, you know, as many lessons as we can to come at that from knowing the love of God, knowing the love of Christ, knowing how all of that has worked in our lives. Now, what is expected of us? Right. And so that's that's where uh, and, this meeting has, has has helped us get there in that way, too. And, and I'm glad you're emphasizing that. Sometimes people talk about, oh, the unconditional love of God. Mm-hmm. There is a sense in which, in the beginning, God loves everyone, and everyone has been called by the gospel, and everyone can obey, and everyone is there. But once you become a Christian, there is the expectation that you continue to grow and to mature. And if a Christian who has been saved by the blood of Jesus, then turns away from him, uh, there is a situation where it can be in worse shape than he was to begin with. The love of God is unconditional in the beginning, but for his children, he expects them to be his children and to live a godly life. Uh, There are 21 times, maybe 22, in the New Testament where the word if is used with regard to our salvation. And whenever someone says, oh, once saved, always saved, and a few other things like that, uh, or or I hear someone talks about the unconditional love of God. Well, no, there are conditions. And you only have to have one if to make it conditional. But there are more than 20. Yeah. 
And so we have a responsibility. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I want to purify myself. Why? Because if he loved me that much, well, I'm I'm weak and I'm struggling and I'm trying, but I'm going to do what I can to show him I love I love him. It may be imperfect because I'm an imperfect person, but I'm going to do my best to purify myself. I want to go to heaven. Amen. And I want everyone else. We're in the saving business. Yep. We're not in the we're not in the condemning business. Sin condemns. Right. We're in the saving business. And we want people to go to heaven. And we we've we've got to not only give them the motivation, but we also have to give them the instruction they need to be able to do just that. Absolutely. According to the will and the grace of God. Well, thank you so much, Phil, for sitting down with me and discussing the topic of hope and hope that is benefited our listeners in this way. I know that it certainly uh, has the potential to do so. And again, thank you for meeting me at the mountain. And as we continue through this season, we'll be discussing different mountains of emotions. And uh, we have a couple more guests that will be upcoming through this year as well. And so stay tuned and check back with us. Please go on to uh, scatteredabroad.org or msop.org, and you can get to the Scattered Abroad Network uh, in those ways. And uh, check out all of our, um, in the show notes, you can have links, uh, you'll find links to our uh, social media accounts as well. And so hope that you will check those out. Follow us, like us, and uh, certainly thank you again for listening to Meet Me at the Mountain.